Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Well, uh, you know, each week, as you know, I bring on uh, inspirational guests from different walks of life. And one of my uh, one of my guidelines is I only like to interview uh, individuals that I really genuinely, deeply, sincerely respect. And my guest today is someone who I've known of for a while. I even read uh, one of her books many years ago, uh, even though it's specifically for women as a man, uh, it helped me tremendously in understanding women. So I have her to uh, credit for that. Uh, I think you're going to be really inspired, hope you're ready to take some notes. I've also been really um, inspired with the way that she is stepping out there as we're going through some intense times right now. This incredible human being is stepping out there with such courage in our times today and I think shedding light on a lot of truths that are often not shared in the mainstream media. She's the New York Times bestselling author of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. That's the word, that's the book I read, by the way, folks. And uh, women, if you haven't read that book, go get it now. It's life-changing. Guys, go get it. You'll understand women much better as well. She wrote uh, The Wisdom of Menopause, Goddesses Never Age. She's eight, if not more, at this point. Television specials, a board-certified OBGYN. And uh, she's been on Oprah, The View, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and uh, as a doctor, uh, what I love is that she really comes from a holistic standpoint and uh, is not afraid to use the word healing. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to Soul Talk, Dr. Christiane Northrup. Welcome. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I've been really excited to speak with you. Uh, there's so many questions I want to ask you about just, just health and uh, what you've learned over the years, just to kind of set the tone, maybe just take, a, I'd love for you just to take a minute or so, uh, if you'd be willing just to share with those that may not know of your background, and just, I'm always curious to how, how people got started doing what they're doing. I know, you know, you're an author, you're a physician, a, uh, a doctor, but, but one thing I think that I love is, is you, you work very holistically and uh, use the word healing. And I'm just curious, like, how that came about. Were you always that way? What, what kind of inspired you to go into medicine or what inspired you to, to do it from a, from a totally holistic sort of healing standpoint? Just share a bit about that journey so people can get a sense of like who you are and how you got to be where you are now. Right. Well, my dad was a dentist and today we would call him holistic. His brother and sister were both medical doctors, both MDs. And they used to make fun of him, although he was the healthiest one. And I grew up with, uh, we had an organic garden, we had a compost heap, and my mother uh, spiked our orange juice with vitamin C, <laughs> and um, we were considered health nuts. My mother made yogurt, this is back before commercially available yogurt was a thing, and wow. she'd take it down the street to my dad's patients who were on antibiotics. I grew up in a small town, and he uh, was a dentist in his father's dental practice, so he carried that on. <clears throat> the little little town in western New York. And when I was about five, my mother gave birth to a baby who I named. I got to pick the name out, Bonnie, little Bonnie Laurie, and she would not eat. My mother had been given high-dose antibiotics the entire pregnancy, because back then, antibiotics were the were the magic bullet and the doctors gave them to everyone. Mm. So my mother was on these long-term antibiotics, streptomycin for viral pneumonia, which we know at this point 
that wouldn't have helped at all. Mm. And uh, the baby wouldn't eat. And she eventually died in a pool of her own vomit at the age of six months. My mother was unable to hold her, only looking through a little window, because back then they did not allow the interaction of parents with their children. And then uh, a couple of years later, my brother Bill was born. He wouldn't eat either. And mm. this time, my parents decided to sign him out of the hospital against medical advice because, first of all, the doctors told my mother he was mentally defective. She said she knew he wasn't. Mm. And a nurse told her, which would never happen these days because of liability, a nurse said, if I were you, I'd get him out of here. The doctors don't know what's going on. And so my parents signed him out against medical advice because they thought if he's going to die, he'll die at home in a circle of his family. Mm. Uh, but he and my dad put down a, a nasogastric tube every day and my parents fed him every hour with a nasogastric tube. And I remember that he was a year old and I'd never seen him without mm. adhesive tape on his face, keeping the tube in. And I also, we also knew that he was developmentally normal. I mean, he was a very funny child. I mean, humorous mm -hmm. and uh, interesting. At the age of a year, he weighed 10 pounds. Finally, my parents found a doctor, Dr. Crump, at the Women's Medical Center in Philadelphia, which no longer exists. And she was a pediatric endoscopy pioneer. And she put down a, a light into his esophagus and she said, you need to take that tube out. It will, it will erode through his esophagus. Let's just see if he eats. And he did. And my mother brought him home and I was probably eight years old. I remember this going to the airport and he was eating a roll and we all just hmm. wept. We still, to this day, I never knew the diagnosis. Hmm. And then when I was, uh, I decided to go to medical school later because it just seemed like a better degree than a PhD. And I remember ironing, telling my mother, uh, I want to find out why doctors don't tell the truth. Mm. And, um, and about that time, my dad was hospitalized with chest pain. And again, two days later, he calls my mother. He says, Edna, they're named Edna and Wilbur. <laughs> she goes, <laughs> Edna, come and get me. They don't know what's going on. So my mother drives into Buffalo, picks him up. And he had, uh, his arm was all blown up because the IV had infiltrated and he had a fever and he just walked out with the chest leads dangling and the nurses were angry. And when I came home from interviewing at Yale Medical School, he was sitting up in his reading chair, reading The Godfather, fluid two thirds of the way up in both lung fields, could barely mm -hmm. breathe. And he healed well at home and they hadn't known what was going on. They thought he had a heart attack. He had infectious mm -hmm. pericarditis and he healed on his own. So do you see, I was radicalized before I went to medical school. Got and, it. Yeah, yeah, because I knew there was, there was another way. And then once I was in medical school and I saw a baby born, I just about fell to the floor weeping, you know, pain-filled joy, joy-filled pain, because it's a holy moment. And then I after interviewing 12 places in family medicine, I, you know, I finally realized, no, this is what standing by while a woman gave birth to me was as easy as breathing. Mm. And so that was the, that was the field that I was uh, just naturally drawn to. Mm. And then uh, when I was with a very conventional medical group of people that I loved, I also had sat, I'd sat with Micho Kushi, who brought macrobiotics to the United States. Mm. And I, say, I stayed with him during some of his consultations because I always obviously had an open mind. Sure. And uh, people would bring in charts, huge charts. They had been given up for dead with various cancers and so on. And I said, saw many of them healed with a macrobiotic diet. Wow. And then I watched the medical profession criticize these people. Um, for trying that. And I thought, what hubris? I mean, what hubris? You've given them up for dead. You've given them no hope. And they try something else. And some of them do well. And you have the nerve to criticize them mm -hmm. instead of studying this. So I began to have all these macrobiotic people from all over the world come to see me. And very, uh, I realized, though, after I had my second child, that my schedule was too crazy in this conventional practice. So I 
went off on my own with two nurse practitioners and one other, mm-hmm. other woman physician. And we started a practice called Women to Women in 1985, which was one of the very first women-run healthcare centers in the world. And my colleagues at that time said to me, hmm. uh, women treating women, don't you think this is a little unbalanced? I mean, and do you see how crazy that sounds? <laughs> right. Like men taking care of women is just normal, but women right. taking care of women, which is, you know, has been going on for thousands of years on the planet, yeah. that's abnormal. And also this, all this time in the 80s and the early 90s, I was on the board of the American Holistic Medical Association and mm. I was co-president with Bernie Siegel in uh, 90 to 92. He wrote wow. Love, Medicine, and Miracles. Yes. Mm. And so I had these colleagues like Norm Sheely, who was a neurosurgeon, and all these people who were pioneers in holistic medicine at a time when, you know, I was afraid when I'd go into the doctor's lounge that they would find out, you know, and they would remove mm-hmm. my license. Um, even now, you know, if you put anything on YouTube about vitamin C as a treatment for yeah. an infectious disease, it gets removed because, you wow. know, we can't possibly go against the World Health Organization guidelines mm. with something like vitamin D or vitamin C. So you see, I am used to mm. having the kinds of things I believe in mm. uh, censored by mainstream medicine because they have been since the Flexner report in 1920, mm. when John D. Rockefeller uh, closed all the naturopathic and homeopathic medical schools and pharmaceutical-based, petroleum-based pharmaceuticals became standard medicine and mm. herbs and acupuncture and homeopathy and all of that became alternative medicine when in fact, mm the herbs and the medicine of the earth and acupuncture is thousands and thousands of years old. And the new kid on the block is the pharmaceutical medicine, which has value, but it should not be the first line in any, in any way. It's very good for car accidents and, you know, very good for acute things, but it's not a way to live with, I mean, the average 65 year old now in the United States is on six prescription drugs. Wow. Like, what is that? My mother's 94. She's not on a single one. Wow. So, as you know, we're going through some some intense moments. We are. (laughs) On planet planet Earth right now. Yes. You know, there's lots of fear, a lot of people afraid, and and, 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 and just feels like America is so divided, the world is so divided, and people are just, you know, in panic. And so, as a medical doctor who you've been, you know, you've been trained traditionally, you're obviously open-minded to different perspectives. I would really love your uh, insight and perspectives, uh, especially for those listening in who might be in fear. Uh, What is your take on what is happening right now on planet earth with, you know, we're in Corona times. Should we be afraid, uh, talking about the virus, uh, there's lockdowns, people have put their lives on hold. How afraid should we be? Uh, is, the, is the fear warranted? If not, why not? And, you know, what can we do to kind of, what perspective can you give for the person that is maybe freaked out about, oh my God, I'm going to go out, I'm going to die, I'm going to, you know, and, and, and they're in such panic uh, that I don't think the media is obviously not helping what can, what can you kind of, what light can you shed and understanding can you shed from your perspective as a doctor, medical professional, but also an understanding of, you know, the immune system and how the body works and how healing happens? Right. Well, I think that what we are seeing here is the evolution from the germ theory of disease, mm. which was put forth by Louis Pasteur, uh, which took precedent over Antoine Beauchamp who said, no, it is the terrain, it's not the germ, it's the terrain that's the problem. In other words, it's the environment, it isn't necessarily the germ. And so what we know is that when the microbiome, that is the three trillion bacteria and viruses and fungus Mm -hmm. in your body are in balance, then you you won't get sick. But if they are Mm unbalanced from drugs, from a junk food diet, from pre-existing conditions, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, that kind of thing, 
then you are much more vulnerable. So what you must do, what everyone must do, is understand that fear itself is much worse than the virus, much worse. And let's look at the mainstream media. And I want to have us take a look at the responsibility of authorities, like the mainstream Mm. media. If you are a parent and you have a child who's afraid of the dark, what do you do? You go into the child's room and you turn on the light and you say, sweetheart, there's nothing to be afraid of here. Notice we've put on the light and there's no monsters in your closet and there's nothing under the bed. But if you'd like, you know, you can come in and uh, sleep with me. Now, what does the bad parent do? It comes into the room and goes, oh my God, there could be a monster. Oh my God, we got to batten down. We've Mm got to hide under the covers. And Mm -hmm. the, and the authority figure, the parent, is not only as afraid of as the child is, but then the child is far more panicked because the one person they can count on is terrified too. So that leads to mm. this incredible biochemistry of panic. And the biochemistry of panic is a torrent of um, uh, stress hormones, epinephrine, mm. adrenaline, cortisol, those in turn make you increase your insulin output. They make you want to eat more and more junk food, which makes it much worse. Mm-hmm. And they also put you in fight, flight, or freeze. Your nervous system goes into fight, flight, or freeze. And that is a setup for cellular inflammation, which is the root cause of all chronic disease and makes you much more susceptible to anything that's in the environment. Mm. So our mainstream media is acting like the bad parent. And so when you watch the mainstream media, there's never any good news. You are supposed to get be more scared, be more scared, be more scared, shelter in place for the rest of your life. Mm. And so I would the first thing that I would say as a doctor is stop watching the mainstream media. Just stop. Okay. Just you should withdraw from it. I haven't watched it in years, in mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Then, and because I uh, have an MD and I know how to look at medical literature, I see how biased that one is. Mm. And every credible source that I know, there are, there are over a hundred doctors who have a very different narrative than the mainstream narrative. And all those narratives get censored immediately. Mm. And, and mm. so there's something else going on. Then, Um, I trust my immunity. When I was little and we would drop something on the ground, my dad would say, you can eat it. He'd say, uh, let the earth pass through you and then you will be immune to everything. So I'm not afraid of germs and uh, because they increase biodiversity. And the more biodiverse your intestine is, your microbiome, the healthier you will be. And so constantly sanitizing every surface actually leads to a, a more unhealthy microbiome. So I would, for everybody, I would say we need to take uh, more vitamin D. Uh, we, I live in the state of Maine. We don't have enough sun to make uh, vitamin D under the skin between October and March. Mm-hmm. So we need to take supplements. It's generally five to 10,000 international units. And I work with a wonderful woman who works with the 12 Archangels, Belinda Womack. And she said, vitamin D is the divine supplement. It comes from the sun. And mm-hmm. all life on earth is dependent on the sun. Wow. So vitamin mm-hmm. D. And then the other one is vitamin C, which helps mm-hmm. us see. It gives us perspective. And you can get liposomal or ester C or just plain old ascorbic acid. And again, generally two to 5,000 milligrams per day. And depending on your tolerance, some people are yes. more tolerant than others. And when you get to loose stools, you've got um, tissue saturation. So you can take your vitamin D uh, every day. And then there is zinc. And I just heard from um, Belinda, I love this. She said, uh, Zinc is related to Archangel Zadkiel, and that's the angel of transformation. 
And we're mm. in the middle of a Pluto transit right now, which is deep, mm -hmm. deep transformation. Mm. So, so those three things will mm. be really helpful for people. So things like, uh, you know, you're talking about the, we're told shelter, and again, shelter in place, wear masks, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that, it, it, the thoughts are divided, like, oh, we have to wear the masks. And there's a group of people that are saying, if you don't wear their masks, you're being narcissistic, you're being selfish, you're being, you know, a jerk. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, I mean, you laugh, but, you know, there are people that really are, are, are spinning that narrative. So I want to honestly know from you, right, from, from just your scientific medical understanding of the nervous system, like, is, is, is that even helping to wear the mask? Is there any benefit to it? Should, like from a, you could even put like my opinion, your, even your opinion aside, just the facts. What, what are the facts? Does it help? Does it not help? But also the whole idea of sheltering in place. What are your thoughts there from a medical perspective as a doctor? Like, what do you see? And what can we do? What, could, what should we be doing instead? Let's say, you know, places like California, you have to wear a mask whenever you just walk outside. What can someone do? What could someone do? Just talk a bit about that because I want people to have a real understanding versus just they're listening to, you know, what the media is saying so that they can choose uh, based on facts, wisdom, and reality. Right. Okay. The data that I have read on the mask is there is one group where the masks are quite helpful. Okay. And that is if you have a cough, if you're sneezing and all of that, then you are protecting others if you wear a mask, which is just why I was trained in surgery, done many hysterectomies and C-sections. And of course, we always wear a mask mm. in the operating room to keep our bacteria and germs out of the wound because the person is very, very vulnerable. So... I took a friend to a doctor a month ago and I had a cough and I think I probably had the virus. And uh, I said, yes, give me a mask, obviously, before I even mm. went in the clinic. Okay. Mm. So that's very, um, that's very, very wise. There is no data whatsoever that mm. a healthy person wearing a mask will help anybody. Mm. So, uh, that's the data that I have read from Dr. Blaylock, and I posted something on my Facebook page, Dr. Christian Northrup. There's a, a study that they did of people with SARS, and they found that the mask didn't make any difference. I feel that the mask is a, a kind of a mind control, social control situation at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe there's any medical reason for this whatsoever. And uh, now, now, again, though, let me just say, if you are somebody who feels safer with the mask on, mm. then by all means, wear the mask. Mm. But, you know, there's a lot that goes on that's about socialization. So I was at a birthday yes. party on Saturday, and only one person had a mask on. So he came with a mask. And by about 30 minutes, he saw that no one else was wearing a mask. Every one <laughs> of us was completely healthy. And so he took off his mask because, mm. you know, we're herd creatures. Yes. But if you go into a grocery store and everyone's wearing a mask, and I recently saw a video that went viral on Facebook where everybody attacked this one person who didn't have a mask as though they were going to give everyone the bubonic plague. Mm. And that kind of totalitarian thing is terrifying. It's terrifying that, that people would come to that. I think that if the mask makes you feel safer or if you have a cough or a cold, by all means, wear a mask. Then you are protecting mm -hmm. other people. Now, the dangers of the mask for somebody with uh, claustrophobia, someone who's prone to panic attacks, is terrible because you're rebreathing things that should be going out into the air. And we know that sunshine and fresh air kill viruses. We have years of data from the days of the TB sanitariums where people were, were cured simply by lying outside in the sun in mountain air. And that was before antibiotics. 
So uh, currently in many states, the beaches are closed. The beaches are the very best place for people to go to stay healthy at Mm. this point. Now, there's a myth going around that Mm. if you are an eight, quote, asymptomatic carrier. That's what what I was going to ask next. What about the asymptomatic? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Again, it comes down to immunity. And let me just, I want to flip this narrative because the narrative that you must curtail all of your freedoms to Mm. protect the vulnerable, that is a reversal of what needs to be true. It is the narrative that has passed vaccine mandates in our state of Maine, in New York State, uh, in Rhode Island, in some other states. And that's 69 mandated vaccines, any one of which contains well-known toxins and can be a risk for death, Hmm. 69 mandated vaccines by the age of 18. Now, most people don't know did that in say, the United States... Did you say not, six, six, six to nine or 69? 69. Wow. 69 shots. Wow. And in, in newborns, a hepatitis B before the baby's immunity is even on board, which contains 15 times the aluminum that the CDC recommends as safe. Why do 99% of all newborns get a hepatitis B vaccine when the only way to get hep B is to have sex with a prostitute or have a dirty needle from a drug abuser? Very few newborns are engaging in these activities. <laughs> and you can, and if the mother has hepatitis B, then this might make some sense. Um, but again, the narrative has been your child needs to have all these shots to protect mm-hmm. my uh, immunocompromised child, you see. Mm-hmm. And, the, and uh, Candace Owen says, my freedom does not end where your fear begins. But this has been a tool to separate us as humans. So let me talk about uh, shelter in place. Yes. In, New State, in New York City, they're finding that 66% of their cases of COVID are in people who have sheltered in place and have apartments. I heard that. Yeah. So how, how, how is that even possible? Well, it's possible because of the nature of viruses. They're in the air, they're everywhere. And they kind of move through a population. They move around the globe and then they're gone. Mm. And uh, so it's possible because in New York, think about it. um, You order a takeout meal. How else are you going to get food? Right. So you have the delivery people and you have the air and you have all of that. So this is, um, again, I would go with the Swedish model, which Mm -hmm. is when things are really at their peak, there's probably um, a lot to be said for some social distancing and hand washing and masks, all all that. And we were supposed to be flattening the curve in 21 days. Now it's been 71 and uh, people are still supposed to wear masks. This, is, this doesn't make any sense. And Dolores Cahill of Ireland has given good data that the virus has already gone through the population. And mm. most people would be tested to be immune now if you had the right test. And right now, the nasal swab test, I'm not even sure is doing anything except picking up some remnants of DNA. I'm not, mm. I'm not certain about that test at all. You might have heard those news reports from Africa where uh, mm-hmm. a pawpaw fruit and a goat tested positive for COVID. So mm. I'm not certain about the test. They need to work on that a bit more. So um, sheltering in place is, in my opinion, what should have been done is the vulnerable population should yeah. be sheltering in place. The healthy people should uh, go out. And by by then you would have something called herd immunity, which is when 60% of the population has had the actual disease. And by the way, herd immunity is a concept that is determined by having natural immunity. They have borrowed it for vaccines, like a certain percentage of people need to be vaccinated to have herd immunity, but a vaccination does not give you natural immunity. It's artificial counterfeit immunity which is why you're seeing entire groups of people like all these sailors on battleships all getting mumps mm. at the same time mm. when fully vaccinated because it's, it's counterfeit immunity. It's not the same as having the germ. So let's remember that even with polio, 
the vast number of people infected with polio never got sick. The vast mm. number of people infected with COVID-19 have never gotten sick. Hmm. And so the new data shows that, um, you know, the, the, the death rate, if you take the whole group, is like, you know, 0 0.004. It's mm. not anything like it's made out to be. Mm. But whenever you put that data, like a, a very good source for all of this is a website called questioningcovid.com. You mm. will not be able to find that website with Google, you've got to use another search engine, Brave, Opera, or DuckDuckGo, hmm. because the censorship is so huge now. But many, many of my colleagues have put up their own uh, videos and studies on questioningcovid.com. Mm. So in terms of vac uh, vaccinations, you know, they're obviously talking about um, COVID vaccines. Some people are in a zone of you know, we're going to wait, we're going to keep things locked down. We're going to shelter in place until the COVID vaccine. I'm not going to get on a plane until there's vaccination. We're going to live my life till the vaccination. Is, is there, are there any, like, are there any uh, instances where vaccinations are useful that we should, because I mean, I thought to myself, I, I certainly don't want to get a vaccination. Doesn't even, you know, forget, you know, you, you're, you're more the scientist just intuitively. This doesn't feel right in my body. Uh, so I'd love to hear your thought on, are there any uh, times where we do need to get them, that it's helpful, that it's, that it's good to get them? And just what's your perspective on the potential, let's say, COVID-19 vaccination and just thoughts on that and how we need to handle that and just what we should be thinking of before we get a vaccination? Right. Well, you know, what I can tell you so far from what I've read about any potential vaccine for COVID-19 is that uh, the side effects, first of all, it's being rushed way, mm. way too fast. And it is a new type of vaccine, an RNA vaccine that we don't have much experience with. And I would be uh, terrified frankly, to get this vaccine. But frankly, I would never have gotten the flu vaccine, the shingles vaccine, the pneumonia vaccine. I, I really know a great deal of vaccine, of, about vaccines. I would have people look at the uh, national vaccine, uh, what is it? The National Center for Vaccine Information. Mm. Um, very, very good site. Uh, Barbara Lowe Fisher has been working in this area for years. There's also uh, ma'am millions against medical mandates.org and then robert f kennedy's wonderful organization which is uh the children's health defense defense fund mm -hmm. yes chf and then there is del big trees uh, i can.org i can.org mm. very mm. very good and if you just uh, also dr joe mercola if you go to mercola.com you will see many, many scholarly articles on vaccines or Sherry Tenpenny, S-H-R-R-I Tenpenny. And if you simply look at, well, well, here's the thing. I testified before our legislature uh, in 2019 uh, about a vaccine mandate law, and we had a voluntary vaccination rate in our state of 95%, which certainly gave us uh, any kind of um, herd immunity that they're recommending, we had far surpassed it with voluntary vaccination rates for school. So I, we didn't need it. And I went up to Augusta, our state house, and there were three overflow rooms of parents with vaccine injured children who told horrendous tales of what had happened to a perfectly normal two-year-old getting an MMR or a DPT or whatever. Mm. And all of this fell on deaf ears because what was happening is most people were fine with vaccines. They just wanted to be able to individualize the schedule or delay it. And uh, it all landed on deaf ears. I've never seen anything like it. I felt like I was uh, in one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm -hmm. They had already decided. And, um, you know, my whole career has been based on listening to parents, listening to women, listening to people, they will tell you what's going on. And to me, it felt like there was simply a whole other agenda here.
Mm. And, uh, and I believe that this, this uh, pandemic has come seamlessly hmm. uh, in this exact same way of thinking. Because in 1986, the United States Congress gave Big Pharma carte blanche to make whatever vaccine they wanted right. without any liability whatsoever. And the, vac- the number of vaccines tripled at that time. So we have all these uh, baby boomer types, mm. people in their 50s, 60s, 70s saying, well, what about polio? Yes. Well, you know, they don't realize that, that today's toddler is getting, you know, 25, 30 different shots. They don't wow. get it. That wow. these little tiny babies are getting six shots at once, none of which have ever been tested in combination, you see. <sighs> Wow. So this just, so what, what we need, you know, um, Judy Mikovits was asked in her, her film, Plandemic, uh, what she thought of vaccines. She said, they're immunotherapies. I'm absolutely for vaccines. And mm. there's a way to make them very, mm. very safe. And mm. you can target, uh, you know, the right population. And I know she's mm. right. So, you know, the thinking behind a vaccine is just fine. But yes. what's, happened, what's happened as a result is not fine. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You, men- you, you mentioned, I have a few questions I want to go get into more specifically around the holistic health aspect of what you do, because I know you're brilliant there. Women's health. I know you have uh, a revised edition of women's bodies, women's wisdom, creating physical and emotional health and healing that's, that's uh, be being republished and is out folks by the way if you haven't read that book amazing book women's bodies women's wisdom an incredible book um but before we dive into sort of the the the, the, the sort of holistic health stuff you meant i just kind of have to ask you because you piqued my curiosity you, you 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 said when we're talking about masks and and sort of sheltering in place you talked up you mentioned sort of mind control social control and now i'm like hmm what what, what now I'm wondering, what do you mean by that, Dr. Christiane? What, what, what does that mean? And so can you like, be a bit more specific when you talk about you know, your reference to like you're seeing a mind control, social control experiment being played out, something of that sort, and, and, and like what your perspective is there? And you know, some people don't see it that way. They, you know, I've seen people saying, there is no agenda. If you think there's, there's no agenda, there's nothing happening. This is just the way it is. And so how can we as a humanity, uh, a human being, be aware of not being controlled by media, an agenda if there is one? Uh, how can we become more conscious to the way that uh, social conditioning, control, uh, gets implemented by whether it's a government, by society, by media. Does that make sense? Like, how can we become yeah. more conscious as individuals? Because so often it's so seamless, we're not even aware that it's happening until it's just too late. So, speak a bit about what you mean and how we can be more aware. So right. We're well, just hypnotized. Well, one of the things, well, actually, that is, it's almost as though there is mass hypnosis and there's mass censorship now in the social mm-hmm. media platforms. And I think that there's some eye-opening things that people can watch. One would be out of shadows official, not out of the shadows, but out of shadows official. And this is on YouTube. It's had 8 million views since it Uh, premiered on Good Friday of this year. And Mm. this is the story of a Hollywood stuntman. He said, look, I don't know about any conspiracy theories, but I do know about Hollywood. And he points out how the movie industry has been infiltrated by the CIA, for instance, Mm. and how we uh, we have gotten many, many messages in movies that are not of the highest caliber. So you have to watch that. And then the other person whose work has always fascinated me is Dr. Stephen Greer. He's an emergency room physician. He's had a number of documentaries about um, ETs and UFOs. Um, Hmm. And his, his movies are on either Amazon Prime or Netflix. I just watched one last night called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And Stephen Mm -hmm. has spent a whole lifetime investigating uh, Area 51 
and uh, UFO sightings and all of that. And he's talked about it for decades. And now the government has, in fact, uh, admitted that they have all these files. And he said the, the ETs have brought advanced technologies that <laughs> would free humans from fossil fuels, would free humans from having to have three jobs just to put food on the table. And so these technologies have been hidden so that um, special interests, we can call them the elite, we can call them the Illuminati or the cabal, um, have control over us. And what we're going through now, I believe, is a great awakening where the human race finally throws off the shackles of slavery, the sort of Stockholm syndrome that mm. we're under, which is, you know, if you think about it, uh, there's some evidence to suggest that uh, the World Bank, uh, the, the First World War, the Second World War, uh, were all financed by the same people, both sides. So <laughs> it's whenever we're pitted against each other as humans, right? Black against white, men against women, Muslims against Christians, Christians against Jews, then we know there's another agenda there because humans are by and large loving and we like to help each other out. Mm. I don't know if you ever mm. saw, it's an old movie, Starman with Jeff Bridges. Mm. And he comes down to earth from a spaceship and comes into a human body. And, uh, and he says, you humans are so awful to each other until there's a crisis and then, you know, I remember this time when a child fell down a well and the entire world was watching or those 33 miners in Chile were all um, rescued and the whole world was watching and uh, a whale was stuck in the ice and the whole world was watching. And we really, really, really care collectively. So when we are separated from each other, we are much, much weaker. But I would ask people to begin to just start there. But generally, okay, here's the problem. And that is cognitive dissonance. When hmm. you first start to see that things aren't like you thought they were. So an example would be, wait a minute. Yes. The government and the masks maybe aren't for our protection. Hmm. Like maybe 69 vaccines by the age of 18 isn't the healthiest thing we could be doing. Like maybe one in 32 children now having autism has something to do with um, GMOs, glyphosate, all of these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And we're, maybe we're not being told what's really going on. And what happens with that, it's like um, what must have happened with the parents of the young boys who were sexually abused by priests or by the Boy mm. Scout leader. You know, mm. the parents, uh, I remember Larry Nasser was the doctor who abused all those girls on the U.S. Olympic team. And one of the fathers committed suicide because mm. he had let Larry Nasser come in and be a friend of the family because the way those people work, those, uh, I call them energy vampires, they're narcissists, mm. muster be, the way they work is they groom you they groom you so that you think that they're your friend. They're your best friend. That is what Jeffrey Epstein did. It's what, um, uh, what Henry, or um, what's his name? Um, Weinstein. Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein. Harvey. And I call, by the way, this latest book, The Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, fifth edition or sixth, mm. whatever it is here, fifth. Uh, this is the post-Me Too movement because right. for years, you know, I was told, your, parent, your, your patients are crazy. I only see normal mm. people. So now we're all being groomed for more social control. I mean, think about it. Six feet apart, like the virus will jump on you if it's five feet. Mm. The six feet is for um, surveillance purposes. Uh, mm. You can't surveil someone from a uh, drone if they're not mm. six feet apart. So mm. this comes from military uh, operations. Mm. And, and it is definitely for social control. There are things in the- So in the six feet apart is from, from a medical standpoint is not valid. There's no validity to it as a doctor medically. You're saying it's not. Not, not for healthy people. Again, mm. if you are infected, if you're vulnerable, you should quarantine yourself. There's no question. 
Mm. But we've always known that. Never in human history have we quarantined entire healthy populations. Never. It makes no sense. So we look at places like Sweden where they didn't do it and they're doing fine and they didn't tank their economy. How is it that the, the economy of the entire world mm. has been brought to a standstill? There's another agenda here. Mm. But it causes cognitive dissonance to even think about it. And that is so uncomfortable for people that mm. it's much easier to call me or you a conspiracy theorist or an anti-masker or an anti-vaxxer or whatever term. Mm. Mm. And remember, conspiracy theorists, that, that word was invented by the CIA itself to keep mm. people from questioning the Warren report on mm. the assassination of uh, Robert F. Kennedy mm. or John F. Kennedy. Yeah. I'm almost afraid to ask, but I, I, you know, you're on a roll. So I just, you're saying there's another agenda here. And yeah, I, you know where I'm going. Like, so, okay, what, what do you perceive? Okay, this is your opinion. Or what, you know, based on whatever you see, research, but like, what, what do you perceive, think is the agenda? Like, what the hell is the agenda here? What do you think it is? Well, what do you perceive it is in terms of an agenda? Because, you know, there's people that are going to go, there's no agenda here. This is just a thing happening. You know, it's for our benefit. So, what is the agenda here, ultimately? Well, I think the agenda is simply an extension of what's already been going on. Mm-hmm. And that is to um, make the human race into a slave labor force. I mean, you know, in the last um, two months, uh, the p- people running Google and Facebook and all the rest of it have made massive amounts of money. Mm. And, uh, you know, Target and Walmart and the Waltons or whatever. And we shut down all the mom and pop stores. Yes. So why, why is it that uh, Amazon and Whole Foods and all these places get to be open oh, and so uh, Walmart, but we've yeah. shut down all the small businesses? That is a point. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I believe there's another agenda. You can certainly look into that. But, but mm. I believe that the, the bright side... What I'm looking at is the bright side is I actually uh, thank this group. It's called the service to self group. Mm. And uh, then the rest of us are the let's join together and create a new earth. Um, Mm. So, so what has this been? It's been an enormous break for mother earth. I mean, you know, we have like all the waters uh, in Venice are cleaned up and there are um, a friend of mine sent me a picture of 16 little goslings in Alameda, California. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the birds are everywhere and that's all very exciting because it's like an, the mother earth takes a deep breath. The mm-hmm. skies are clear in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a harbinger of mm-hmm. a new earth, a mm-hmm. new earth, not a new world order, but mm-hmm. a new earth where all of us, have been forced, really, haven't we, to take a pause. And many people are saying, wait a minute, I don't want to go back to work the way I was before. I mean, my daughter is finding that staying home with the children, not having to rush and get them, you know, to school. Um, They have family time. And now that's not to say that people aren't suffering terribly because they Mm -hmm. are uh, in New York City. There are lines that are a mile long for food at, you know, at the church food banks. Uh, wow. So this is, this is going to result in mass starvation uh, mm. for many people. The number of um, uh, child abuse cases, the number of suicides is off the roof compared to what it normally has been. So what I would say to the people who say, if you don't wear a mask or if you don't social distance, you're killing grandma. It's like, okay, then clearly you don't care about the uh, domestic violence victims, the child abuse victims, uh, the suicide victims, the people who have lost businesses that they've been building up for decades. Yeah. Um, you know, so this narrative has huge holes in it. But I would say this to your listeners. Mm. Don't spend any time arguing with someone who's not awake to this just send them love mm. because they are 
locked in a belief system that they truly believe is keeping them safe. Mm. And there's nothing you can do. And I can tell you that from years and years and years on the front lines of holistic medicine. And Mm. when people would come to me and they just wanted surgery or they just wanted a prescription and it was clear that they were not ready to look at their cigarette smoking, their alcoholism, their obesity, the fact that they were living with an abusive partner. When they're not ready, they are not ready. And all we can do is send um, uh, divine love to them, really, which is very powerful. You know, you were on the front lines of the sort of holistic health movement. I mean, really a pioneer. Uh, I've read Bernie Siegel's books. uh, And and so I I can only imagine some of the things you may have faced and the challenges and the pushback from the (laughs) medical mainstream. I can only imagine, you know, you're someone who has paved the way for a lot of us today and, you know, just so much respect, appreciation for that. What kept you, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy to be attacked or ridiculed or, you know, what I can only imagine. So what kept you going? I mean, did you feel like giving up at times? Uh, uh, Like, how did you not give up? um, You know, one time I remember I went outside on the porch of our center, which was in an old Victorian house. And I looked up at the stars and I said, please help me get this right because I don't want to come back and do it again. Mm. And it's been a, it's been a belief uh, really based on my natal astrologic chart, which is a soul blueprint Mm. of um, feeling compelled, actually compelled to do this work. I have my North node in Aries on the 10th house cusp and I just feel compelled to do it. But the, because of a deep, knowing that I have not spoken up for lifetime after lifetime after yeah. lifetime, or I've been burned at the stake for mm. lifetime after lifetime. And many people can relate to that one. Mm. And this time it's not going to happen because there are too many of us. Mm. Uh, but, but just a sense of say what you need to say, but with love and with understanding and without anger and have the courage to do it. And here's the other thing. And Zach Bush, who's one of my heroes, a wonderful intern. Yes, you know, yes. I love Zach. Love and he him. says, this whole thing really is about the fear of death. And I'm not afraid to die. Hmm. I know that death is just uh, the opposite vortex of birth. Uh, it's the same. And I think at this point, it's, it's a tragedy that we have people dying alone or behind a plexiglass shield because of people's fear of death. So in these, or or the same with birth, I have a friend in Florida who's told you can't have anyone with you at this moment of birth. These are human rites of passage where other humans need to be with humans. The same way with elephants. When an elephant gives birth, there's an entire herd of females around the female We need to get back to our humanity. And I believe that many of the forces running this are not really connected with the human, human empathy, human love. For those that might be, you know, going through this, this time uh, and let's say either one of two things, they're filled with anxiety because I think this time is creating a lot of anxiety for a lot of people in terms of uncertainty and refusion. So let's say someone's going through tremendous anxiety and, or, and maybe there's a group of folks that they're having trouble, let's say sleeping. They can't sleep. I've spoken to a few people who just t- told me, I can't sleep. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, anxiety in the day. Can't sleep. Can't sleep when I, at night. I'm just going crazy. Could you just share some practical sort of tips in terms of dealing with the anxiety and those who are having trouble sleeping? Because I think they're also connected and and what they can do. Yes, they're very connected. Okay, so the first thing you need to do is you really, really must remove yourself from what I call fear porn, fear Uh, pornography. uh. (laughs) And that would be, and you can't go to bed at night with a head full of worst case scenarios. Mm. So what I would do instead is unplug, make sure you have an electronic sundown. So Mm. get off television and computers about an hour before your bedtime. 
most people need more magnesium. Magnesium is necessary for the firing of every nerve in your body. Uh, I always take an Epsom salt bath at night, one to two cups of Epsom salt, which is magnesium sulfate, in a warm bath. And then I read or I listen to a podcast in a warm bath at night before going to sleep. Uh, also, um, passion fruit, I mean, not, but passion flower or valerian, those are herbs that are very, very helpful for sleeping. Um, watching a soothing or reading a soothing book, anything like that, and then mm. make certain, if you can, turn the Wi-Fi off mm. uh, in your house. My, um, my daughter turns all the breakers off on the wow. second floor of their home when they sleep. Make sure you turn your cell phone off. Do not have it sleeping by your head. You're mm. getting radiation, and that's well-documented. Um, and so read some inspirational stuff, uh, read some, um, listen to people who are talking about the new earth that's being born. Eckhart Tolle has wonderful things on YouTube about this, uh, the new earth. And what he points out is the, a flower is the evolution of the plant, a crystal is the evolution of the mineral kingdom, and someone like Jesus or Mother Mary or Lotsu or Buddha is the evolution of humanity. Mm. And I think mm. that's where mm. we're headed. Mm. Got it. You know, you have uh, an amazing book. I know that is, that is being republished, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And I know, you're, you're, you know, there's a lot of info there for women. If you're a woman, check out this book. But I just would love your, uh, as we begin wrapping this amazing interview, I would, I would love your perspective and message for men, actually. And... Uh, what, 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 what do you think it's important for men to, number one, understand about women, but also understand about uh, women's health, women's cycle, just kind of the way the feminine works so that men can hold space, uh, understand how to relate to uh, women, bet women better, especially, I think, also during these times of anxiety and stress. What are some of the, because as men, we're not taught, you know, how to really relate to women. There's no uh, course in high school, and uh, it's kind of a mystery to us. So uh, I, I would love if there's anything you could kind of help the brothers out listening uh, to this conversation. Yes. Well, masculinity is defined really as uh, to protect and to serve. And when we think about the word husband, husbanding uh, the new earth is how you protect and serve uh, Mother Earth or mm. things that are less strong than you. Um, I would say one of the most beautiful examples of modern masculinity that I saw was uh, uh, Cordy Williams, who's a chiropractor and a Marine, standing up in Sacramento, picking up a bullhorn when they were doing a demonstration there and telling the riot police to stand down, that were they really going to club women and children who were just standing for their constitutional rights for freedom and having the courage to just stand up and say, please check. And he was very, very clear. He said, look, when you are a Marine and you are, in a, in, in a situation that's dangerous, and you get an order from your commanding officer that doesn't feel right, and he used the term mm -hmm. in your nutsack, then you question the order. Men need to now question the order and then stand up to protect the innocence mm -hmm. of others. And when a man does that, you know, when a man uh, does things for the feminine that are pleasing to her or to the earth, he is elevated. He is elevated. It makes his life worth living. A man who doesn't have a purpose of yes. protecting and serving in some way is lost. And women need to learn how to let men know how they can protect and serve. And uh, women have not been very good at that, but uh, we're becoming better, I think. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Wow. So, so much uh, knowledge and information, folks, with the, amaz the amazing Dr. Christiane Northrup, author of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. Uh, this has been 
a deep conversation. I think there's lots to reflect on. I'm hoping that as you've been listening to this conversation, you're questioning, questioning reality, questioning yourself and expanding your own consciousness through this conversation. Uh, Dr. Christiane, uh, as we wrap this interview, you've shared a lot, but if there were, let's say, three, um, if you were to reflect on your life, your ups, your downs, successes, failures, relationships, you know, motherhood, if there were three of the most important life lessons you feel you've learned that would be the most important things to pass on to the next generation of children and grandchildren, you know, for, to evolve the next generation the most. If you were to just to finally distill that for us in three key wisdoms, what would, what would your key lessons, life lessons be that you'd like to pass on to the next generation? One would be that you are born with inner wisdom that can direct your life. And that inner wisdom is your connection with the divine. God comes through you as you. So you need to know that. And three, you have far more power than you are ever told. And you must, you must claim sovereignty over your own life. Stop giving away your power to mm. authority figures. Own your own authority and partner with the divine. Partner with God. If you don't, you're always, you're always working too hard. There is so much wisdom available to us, but we have to be open to it. And we cannot, cannot keep giving away our power to outer authorities. We have an inner authority that we need to pay attention to. Mm, I love it. Wisdoms, wisdoms, beautiful. Can you just assign a homework, a simple like few seconds of a homework assignment that uh, someone could immediately apply into their lives before they go back into their day? Like if there's something that they can do within themselves just to integrate what you've been saying. Uh, what's a homework assignment? Something very simple. Okay, here it is. You sit down in the morning when you get up, sit down. Imagine as you're, you're seated that there are these huge roots going into the center of Mother Earth from your feet. So just imagine those going into the center of the Earth. Then, mm. once you're fully grounded and you feel kind of heavy, this takes literally 15 seconds, open up your crown on the top of your head. There's a reason that the monarchs have crowns. It's their connection with divinity. Yes. Open that crown. Bring in the divine light right into your crown and then bring up the energy from the center of mother earth let it all commingle in your heart and mm. then when it's all there i want you to imagine light you've pushed light out from your body about your arms length if you outstretch your arms push the light out there and see yourself in an orb of light that has a little turgor to it like a bubble and that is a bubble that you don't leave the house until that bubble is in place. Mm. And I want you to see that bubble, literally any negativity just bounces off it. It's mm. above you, it's below you, it's in back of you, it's in front of you, it's on each side. Just put your bubble of divinity and love in place before you leave the house. And then when you need to, just take a breath, say, I accept divine love, put the bubble back in place, keep going. I love it. I'm feeling elevated right now. Folks, you heard it. Uh, Dr. Christian Northrup throwing down an amazing homework assignment. Let me know. Send me an email, folks. I'd love to hear from you. Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I would love to know your key takeaways from today's episode. I would love to know how, how it's digesting. I'd love to know uh, your experience from the homework assignment she just said. She is the author of Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, Creating Physical and Emotional Health and Healing, republished out now. If you haven't read it, check it out. It's an incredible book. Uh, Dr. Christiane, what's the best way people can find out about you and your work and if there's anything else you have going that you want people to know? Right. Well, for those of, the, those of you who really resonate with my work, just tune into my daily Great Awakening video on uh, Instagram and Facebook, mm -hmm. Dr. Christiane Northrup. And then you can find everything I do. I've got an e-letter. You can sign up at drnorthrup.com. That's D R 
N-O-R-T-H-R-U-P, drnorthrup.com. You can find everything there. Awesome. Dr. Christian, I've, I've loved this interview. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I've, I've long been a, a fan and had deep respect for you. It's just been so awesome to finally get you on Soul Talk. Just thank you for just being yourself. You know, thank you for spreading your light, standing courageously in your voice and your heart and standing for truth, your true blessing. Thank you for being a blessing. You've been a blessing to me today and I'm sure everyone listening in. Folks, we're going to uh, put all of uh, Dr. Christian Northrup's links in the show notes. Check them out. Go to her website. Immerse yourself in her work, her amazing book. She has many other amazing books as well. You'll love them all, man or woman. It's deep knowledge there. Sending you all love. Please subscribe to this episode. I want everyone to hear this episode. So much great information. Please share this with your friends. Post on social media and let me know how you enjoyed it. Thank you, Dr. Christiane Northrup. Sending you love. Big hugs, everyone. Love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.